from across the globe, from the centre of aerospace, and now to you. Thank you for downloading the Aero Society podcast from the Royal Aeronautical Society. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Royal Aeronautical Society Bill Boeing Theatre. Uh, I'm pleased to see uh, all of you here today. I think the heat might have kept a few people out in the park, actually. Uh, Hyde Park was looking pretty full. Um, My name's Christine Drews. I'm the Deputy Chair of the Air Transport Group here at the Royal Aeronautical Society. And as the Air Transport Group, we like to put on different events through the year. Uh, Our main focus is around air transport, airports, ground handling, extending into freight and cargo, uh, basically a number of the topics that are not covered by the other specialty groups. So we are quite eclectic. Um, Over the last few years, we've run a series of workshops that, um, together with the industry and regulators, is progressing regulation around gold-class maintenance and repair organisations. So we're quite pleased about the progress we've been able to generate as a a sort of a a non non-invested interest body in that. Um, For tonight, though, a couple of safety things. We are not expecting a fire alarm. So if the alarm does go off, we have exits uh, either side of the stage here and at the back of the room. Uh, The meeting point is out on, I think it's Piccadilly Road by the big roundabout, noisy roundabout. Uh, So just meet there. I'm um, I'm sure members of the Royal Aeronautical Society team will also meet us there and, and make sure we're in the right place. Just a reminder, there is no smoking in the building, so uh, should you feel the need, please make your way out. Um, and mobile phones, the nice little prompt. You know, if I had one of those little ringers, yeah, look, you see, everyone checks. <laughs> um, so uh, for tonight's uh, debate, we, we like to title these debates the Tony Lucking debate. And that's in memory of one of our former members, Tony Lucking. Um, He was a member of the Air Transport Group. We've got uh, parts of his family here tonight with us, so very welcome. Um, Tony always liked to stimulate discussion. The more controversial the point of topic, the better. So we do try to find topics where possible that are controversial. Tonight's a bit less so. There's a lot of uh, angles, I believe. We'll hear hear certainly what's going on around who carries the bag. Uh, But I hope you'll find it an interesting and stimulating discussion in any case, and we welcome your input and discussion after our speakers have have had their turn. So to kick us off, what I'd like to do is introduce our chair for this evening. Um, Our chair has had a career that includes British Airways and Heathrow Airport. Uh, In his time, he's had participation and leadership roles in the opening of two terminals at Heathrow, both Terminal 5 and Terminal 2. He also led Heathrow Airport in its support of the London Olympic Games. Today, he has the challenge to transform Heathrow Airport's baggage service to become the world's best. So I'm sure Mr Andy Garner will be interested absolutely in all the topics that are being discussed today and hopefully cherry-picking the the best ones that we can use at Heathrow Airport. So please welcome to the lectern, Mr Andy Garner. Thank you, Christine. Good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome. Uh, so, yeah, Christine's introduced me and my, and my background. So, I've been at uh, Heathrow Airport working for British Airways 19 years, now working for the, uh, the airport authority for 25 years of my life. So, I've uh, been involved in uh, customer service and uh, baggage for all of that uh, time, and quite a challenge it is, which we'll uh, no doubt cover. So, I think for, uh, what I'm really interested in, and what Christine didn't cover there, is that she's, uh, she works in my team as head of uh, strategy for baggage. So although I'm really 
uh, determined to get some really good ideas and uh, move them forward. Christine's going to have to do a lot of the lifting and the, uh, uh, and the, and the spade work around that, so uh, looking forward to that. Um, but what I'm really interested in, as, as, as we are in aviation, I think, is uh, what, what is the future uh, requirements of uh, customers? And we're just having a chat, some of us, here on the table. And there's, uh, uh, I think there's, there's things we can try and work out what consumers want by survey uh, and ask them in terms of uh, uh, what they might be, and, and we can plot some future solutions in on the back of that. Our challenge at Heathrow Airport is a big infrastructure build company is our lead times to get to market with stuff is, is quite long. So uh, by the time we get there, the consumer might well have moved on and uh, we may well not be building the right sort of things and, and bringing the right sort of solutions. Or the other one, uh, some of you will be uh, aficionados of, uh, say, Apple products. The sort of products come onto the market that you didn't actually know you wanted, but by the time you, you get them there, you sort of uh, go, I really want that, and it, it takes off and surprises and delights you. So really interested perhaps tonight in exploring uh, both, of those, both of those angles. But it's always important, I think, on these occasions to know your audience. So I just find out a little bit about, uh, well, us as a group. Uh, so could you raise your hands if you've flown in the last year? Well, I probably should have done that the other way around. Anybody not flown in the last year? I wouldn't expect that here, really. Just imagine you fly around a lot. Um, anybody f uh, raise your hand if you've flown from Heathrow? Pretty much everybody, yeah, very good. And, uh, and raise your hand if you've carried a bag on your journey. So this could be you put it in the hold or you, or you carried it onto the aircraft. So let's do it, Did, who, who's, who's flown with uh, carry-on baggage? Uh, who's flown with hold baggage? Good, excellent. <laughs> We've got good experience, good consumers in the audience here. And who arrived at their destination and their bag wasn't there with them? <coughs> One, two, three. Good. In the last year. So three. Three out of a room of, uh, what are we, about 40 here? So, was that Heathrow? Was it, was it out of Heathrow Airport, though? Okay, okay. All right, excellent. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> right answer. We'll come back to that. <laughs> right, okay, okay. Slightly beyond my sphere of influence. And, uh, Good. All right. Uh, so, so most of you, uh, when you carry your bags, you, you arrive where you're going to go with, uh, with those bags. Certainly in the last year, you might have had experiences before that. So Heathrow Airport, just to give you a feel for it, we... Uh, we handle 75 million uh, bags a year, so we have 75 million passengers broadly. Uh, on average, every passenger has a bag. Now, some have none, some have two. Uh, we find in the middle of the summer, everybody's got two or three <laughs> as they go on their holidays. And at the moment, 98.5% uh, of uh, those bags get on the same aircraft with the passenger. So 1.5% for various reasons uh, get delayed and get probably moved on to the next flight and get sent on to destination to the to the customer but there's some variation that so so broadly you'd have to fly uh, on average 50 times before you might experience uh, your bag being delayed at the moment in terms of our current level of service but within that if you were flying on a direct route so you're going from I don't know London to Leeds probably one of the more, more attractive destinations uh, Leeds you have to fly about 333 times on average before you would suffer a baggage delay but if you're transferring through Heathrow uh, 
much more uh, difficult uh, process, and you probably fly 25 times, and you might, you might lose your bag. So some variety there. And what we do really under baggage here is we, 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 we mobilize ourselves under the mantra of uh, every passenger, every bag, every time. That's what we aspire to. So what we want to do by 2018, we want to make sure that, uh, uh, if you like, uh, 10 in every 1,000 passengers, uh, no more than that would, so 990 passengers in 1,000 would, would travel with their bags. And uh, our executive and board have just set us the target, in fact, set Christine the target, of by 2030, uh, 999 in every 1,000 would travel with their bag. But I think the interesting thing about tonight is that's quite a conventional way of thinking about the world. Did, did, did everybody enjoy the experience of having to lug their bag around? Anybody enjoy that? Must be somebody enjoys that. The whole check-in thing and uh, carrying through. No? So there must be a better way. You enjoyed it? I'd rather carry my PC than somebody else. Ah. What, me? <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. So anyway, you don't enjoy carrying your bag, so there may be a better way. Let me introduce our first uh, speaker for tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Randall Darby's Chief Executive of Portal Limited, and he's going to talk about bags should travel separately. Randall. Uh, thank, thank you very much for that introduction and for setting up my um, talk very nicely because what we found is that everybody in the audience uh, travels, travels with bags, and nobody enjoys it, um, which is, is going to be really helpful um, throughout my discussion because obviously we've got lots of supporters already. Um, but, yeah, good evening, and thank you to um, Christine for inviting me to come along and talk this evening and to the Royal Aeronautical Society uh, for having me. Um, on this debate about who should carry the bags. It's a, it's a real pleasure being here, um, particularly because I'm a real aviation enthusiast, uh, and so to be invited to talk about these things is, is a real pleasure. Um, before setting up the business, Airporter, my only real experience of industry was as a passenger. Um, I was a passenger who became increasingly frustrated with the whole process of flying, because of my bags. Um, and so I took it upon myself to, to find a solution to this problem that we're all too familiar with. Uh, and as a result, I now find myself to not only be an aviation enthusiast, but also a baggage enthusiast. So, um, who we are. Airport has started two years ago on a mission to deliver better bag-free passenger experiences. Coming into 2016... We had become an official partner service at Heathrow, Gatwick, and London City Airports. We provide on-demand, convenient, secure transportation of people's bags to and from the airport. Now trusted by many, both tourists and people who actually live in London, we're delivering thousands of bags around London every month um, and have a five-star user rating. So we found we got some pretty good support for this already. And this early but rapid adoption from passengers shows that they both want and need the bags to travel separately. So I set the business up having become disenchanted with the whole process of flying and with bags as a business traveler and having them dictate my itinerary. I was convinced that a more efficient transport system could exist with the bags being removed from the equation. 
I was aware that luggage shipping or forwarding existed as a choice, but personally, it didn't work due to the time that you have to be away from your bags. I mean, sometimes these services can take three, four, five days a week, but also the time that it would take to fill in all the paperwork that has to accompany your bag when you send it separately, and also the cost. As soon as you try, start trying to choose a priority service on a few days, that increases quite significantly, and you start to consider buying another seat on the plane for your bag. So I decided to focus initially on one end of the journey being the first and last mile here in London. And by at least solving that and making that easier for travellers, both on the outbound and return journey, you know, at least we would be solving some of the problem. So we were very much driven by research, and, and we've talked, Andy already kind of mentioned surveys. That is something that we did when we were setting up um, the business itself. So we kind of went out and uh, we spoke to over 300 international business and leisure travelers, and we asked them some questions about traveling with bags. The results showed that across both categories, business and leisure, the prospect of being separated from bags was highly attractive. It turns out that my frustrations were shared by many others in feeling restricted about how they could spend their time in the city, but also how they travelled around the city and that choice of mode of transport. And that these frustrations with frequent flyers, those on city breaks, or families on long trips with lots of bags, those frustrations were really exacerbated. So, on Googling bag-free travel, you can find some pretty interesting stuff, (laughs) including a YouTube video on how to pack for a 90-day trip without bags, and a video diary from a guy who travelled around the world with no bags at all. So passengers seem to be going to crazy lengths to deal with the problem. The wackiest that I found has to be the FlyQ light jacket, which is available for men and women. It has over 10 zippered pockets in a bid to replace the bag. There's been a surge in development of specially designed compartmental collapsible cabin-only baggage, which can fit all the essentials for one-week business trips. And finally, other services are appearing, such as US startup Duffel, where they store a whole wardrobe for you and send it to wherever you would like ahead of your next trip. But these are not choice solutions. We're forcing ourselves to travel in uncomfortable, unnatural, and expensive ways to bypass the burden of traveling with bags. So when combining our results with those from other surveys, such as those carried out by CETA, with passengers, it highlights that baggage is the root cause of most of the remaining passenger pain points in the journey. Despite significant investment in the continual improvement of in-airport processes, in reality, you can still only travel as fast as your bags will allow you to. The time-consuming steps are around bag check-in, from interacting with an agent to tagging and dropping off those bags, and how long that process takes and all the queuing that comes with it, but also at the other end, waiting at the baggage reclaim. With added frustration of hotel check-in restrictions, check-out restrictions, and trying to use public transport with bags, it presents a picture of a very problematic journey. It's no wonder people are trying to cram as much as they can into cabin baggage to take on board with them. We always like to think how easy the journey is when you have no bags at all. It's clear that a better system and experience can exist if separated from the passenger at these points in the journey. We have to focus on designing new solutions 
encouraging more self-service, automation, and try and achieve a fundamental change and address passengers' needs. Since launching Airporter, we captured either future service wants or benefits in feedback from our existing user base. So you've got the business traveler. Well, they want to avoid queues. They want to fit in more meetings. They want to jump on an express train and reduce costs associated with being in slow and quite often expensive taxis on choked-up London roads. You've got the leisure traveller who wants to explore the city, perhaps has young children, is flying on holiday after work, having to take multiple cars, taxis for families, travelling with lots of luggage. These are all real-life scenarios, which you can actually find if you go on our website. They're just lines and lines and lines of these real user stories from our customers, which is really interesting. And we know that when free of bags, passengers are more inclined to take public transport. We surveyed, for example, our users at Heathrow, and the propensity to take the tube or an express train was almost three times that of your average Heathrow passenger. We know that if the well-known bag-related pain points I've highlighted in the previous slide in the journey could be removed, it could also save flyers 60 minutes at each end of the journey. And that could give us more choice as to when we fly. We actually um, uh, launched a product that's been trialling with British Airways uh, on domestic flights only, where you kind of pre-enrol, and uh, when you land, you leave the airport, you head straight for the exit, jump on the train, get out into London. And we go to the baggage reclaim, and we pick up those bags, and then we deliver them to your location in London within hours, saving you hours. Um, and this is some of the feedback that we got from people who use that service. It's fundamentally changed how they then travel to and from the city. Um, and now they have more choice. Instead of getting a flight at peak time because they've got to get to a meeting in the city, they can jump on a plane that's you know, 40, 60 minutes later, and that's just on domestic flights. By separating the passenger and the bag, it's not only the passenger that benefits. With bags coming into an airport separately, pre-screened, it provides additional security to congested airports, which has been identified as a must in light of recent landslide attacks in Europe. Tony Tyler, Director General of IATA, recently said that we need to get on with redesigning the process so passengers don't have to queue to drop bags off, facilitating quicker flows to airside areas. Pressure on SLAs and delays often related to baggage, either loading or at the reclaim, can be relieved. Today, our users typically choose a time for delivery which is six to nine hours before or after flying, which allows more time for handling and thereby de-peaking operations. And it's all because when they're separated from the bags, they want to go and do something different with their time. I'm sure that if the majority of bags could be removed, we could look at predominantly passenger-only terminals, which would allow more capacity. And as already been demonstrated, separating bags encourages public transport utilisation which drives sustainability. So, it all sounds wonderful, but to make this futuristic view a reality, it requires objectiveness, collaboration, and integration between regulators, airlines, airports, urban designers, transport companies, and technologists. Quite a group of people. One of the biggest challenges in designing a solution is around doing so within the complex regulatory landscape, consisting of aviation security and border policy. 
and the associated bureaucracy, which is further complicated when working on an international scale. And at the moment, what with everything that's going on around the world, who has the time to look at something new to benefit the passenger? Then there is a cost impediment. Who is paying for what? And ultimately, any solution needs to be achieved at a minimal cost to the passenger to become widely adopted. It needs to be done in a convenient, on-demand way with suitable pick-up times where the passenger isn't waiting days for their bags. Passengers need reassurances about the care that will be taken when delivering their bags and they won't be damaged or tampered with. And finally, to become a must for all travellers, there, there will be lots of challenges on the journey that require that involvement of all those key stakeholders. At Airporter, we have some ideas as to how this solution could be delivered, benefiting a large proportion of passengers currently travelling with baggage and overcoming some of the identified challenges. Baggage infrastructure could be extended to city centres using rail infrastructure with existing examples in Hong Kong or Switzerland where you can check in downtown. Decentralised check-in, which already happens online via apps and kiosks, would become common to the traveller's itinerary management. Could this work the other way with the baggage reclaim? Link this to connected local doorstep collection and delivery services, as it has to be convenient for the passenger like airport or they won't use it. Simply moving to a rail station is bringing the problem closer to a passenger, but still leads them to queuing and carrying bags to drop somewhere else. That's why we've got to connect it up with that local delivery. Passengers and bags should travel together on the same plane, avoiding the need for lengthy documentation, long waits, and separate cargo. The focus should be on connecting big cities' metropolitan areas and air travel super routes, thereby addressing the large proportion of passengers, reducing the pressure for the rest who are using airports. With quantifiable benefits to stakeholders, including infrastructure investment or internal cost savings, this could warrant a passenger-subsidized model where the cost to the passenger is reduced because we all share, share in that journey. So at airports, our vision for the future is a world where we travel between major global cities and despite taking what we want and need, it feels as easy as catching a train without any bags. Something we like to imagine and call teleporter. So, as a company that's focused on transport of bags, technology, and integration between all the key stakeholders, we're working furiously to make this vision a reality. Thank you very much. Very, uh, very inspiring kick-off there. So uh, we move on to our next speaker, who is uh, Henrik Roth, Senior Lecturer at Cranfield University, and Henrik's going to talk about research from the urban turbine. Henrik Roth.
Well, thank you very much, Christine, for, for inviting me to this uh, audience. And um, I hope I can contribute something uh, on top of the baggage as such, which is very much part of our ongoing investigation into um, the relationship of, of airports and cities where the bags or baggage transport is um, one of the aspects which has uh, a massive impact on how we behave, how we travel, and, and how the systems uh, work together. Um, so that was supposed to be the start slide. And this quote from Patrick Tucker um, I found quite, quite interesting. Um, turns out Einstein was right. Two black holes colliding converts a portion of their mass into energy, resulting in gravitational waves, strange disturbances in the very fabric of space-time. So what we felt inspired about that is the airport and the city, they are two entities, and they are two very different worlds. You know, if you, if you have the same conversation about uh, the future of airports and the future of relationship between citizens and, 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 and the airport, in this audience or in, an, in a different room in the RIBA where architects and urban planners leading the debate, uh, you have this different uh, perception and different visions. And what what uh, Urban Turbine is trying to, to, to do is to, pr to bridge those, um, uh, this gap and bring people together and, and think what are visions and what are possibilities to uh, holistically integrate these um, kind of problems, the very realistic problems of, of carrying the bag or carrying other things um, when we want to travel, when we want to move, because in one sense uh, we are living in a particular place, but in, in, in increasing globalization we are forced to travel, we are forced to be at many places in, in different times. So the subject of our research is the relationship of air travel, airports and cities, and how the airport can act as a connector, a generator and absorber. So the, the, the airport as such is becoming much more than it used to be in the past. And we believe that this form of baggage management, as much work goes into it to make it happen, um, and this is, this is a, a graphic from the uh, passenger uh, terminal expo magazine, uh, Passenger World, uh, three years ago, uh, stating 20 years from now passengers won't have to find their way to baggage claim carousels because those carousels won't exist. So that was three years ago, so 17 years to, to, to fulfill this vision. Um, so we, we see our, our work in, in context of aviation will grow. So uh, even if a smaller proportion of us will fly, the increasing total number of people on this planet will, will increase the, the aviation and uh, efficiency and competition is a, a major challenge uh, where airports are about to adopt to the new requirements. And the question is, will we have more airport or less airport? Will we move passengers quicker?
from the plane to the city? Or will we expand the airport business and keep the passenger as long as possible in the airport to uh, fulfill the, the current business model of the airport? So in any way, uh, it is important that we think about more integration with urban facilities as check-in already has happened. And you, you, you mentioned this, that with, with check-in, we are already very familiar with you know, methods uh, where we don't need a space to be, uh, except our, our computer where we find online our flights and our search engines and all, all that. Um, baggage handling options ha is just emerging. And we see examples, as you mentioned, also uh, Hong Kong and Switzerland and uh, KL, where we have uh, interesting models of uh, city check-ins uh, but I think that is just the beginning uh, what we anticipate is that logistic providers will dissolve the baggage monopoly of the airport operator so what, whatever that final product is going to be I think there will be many steps but uh, we can see that this is turning into a whole new kind of business model uh, how we um, organize the, the, the air transport and, and what we are in particular interested in is um, how can the airport uh, participate in that um, as a nucleus for urban, urban growth and in that respect we're looking also in the context and relevance of the so-called airport city which is a very interesting sort of um, term which has been uh, increasingly in the uh, uh, around and in, 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 in the debate, but the question again is: Will we have more airport or less airports? Or will an airport city be uh, a necessary sort of tool to keep airports going, or will we uh, make airports slimmer and get all the unnecessary slow process away from the airport? So. Uh, one way is, is looking into surveys and understanding what, what passenger and, and client uh, requirements are. What we started with is looking in, in increasing number of hybridizations which we find in, in these days. So, for instance, one hybrid is the relationship of airport and city. And this uh, model of, of Doha shows that we have um, very, a very initially a clear separation between the urban and the airport. But then the brief of this, of this airport development is to create these four circles which redefine the relationship of the city and the airport. And we can see here the terminal is in a way part of that circle, so part of an urban development, but also part of the airport. So in a way it's, it's a first hybrid of being an airport, but also being a city. Uh, we see new business models uh, when airports and airlines invest together, as we see here in Munich in, in Terminal 2, where Lufthansa took a 40% of the share of, of uh, Terminal 2, which has an impact on the development of the airport. A hybrid between the airport and the community, and that's an, that's an interesting uh, point we, f we find where the airport is opening up for other activities. So in that respect, it's more airport. So it's creating a space which is 
something which creates, which increases the attractiveness of the airport for people who kind of uh, changing at Munich. They always have something to do. But it also creates a, 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 an attraction for the local com community who can participate in activities in the airport. So when you create a space there, you can guarantee it's used 24-7 the day, which is a big problem of airports these days because we, we design airports for the peak hour where we use them, let's say, for five, six, six hours a day. The other time, uh, airport terminals are mostly uh, over-designed. And then we have another hybrid condition, which is uh, e uh, electronic retail, where airlines uh, bring um, retail into the plane, into the airport, uh, distorting uh, current uh, commercial models. So all these are things which are happening around us. And in, uh, as, as, a, as a kind of global figure, commerce and entertainment is, is sort of entering the airport world. And this space, for instance, is a very interesting example. If you look closer, you will see this is a sp in this small space you have three functions. You have got um, a laundrette, a hairdresser, and a bar. So you... you, you, you combine activities in one space, and we see these things happening in the airport world as well. In, in Heathrow T2, we've got this cappuccino and the uh, WH Smith uh, turned into a well-designed food and beverage retail unit. And then we see initiatives like uh, the Rijksmuseum in uh, Schiphol Airport, where you, where you see a well, we have an experience of, of, of Amsterdam, of the city of Amsterdam, inside the terminal. And you can uh, look at uh, paintings which you usually would, would see in an art gallery in downtown. And another form of, of a hybrid is, is the relationship of the airport and the aircraft. Uh, Boeing is... is uh, no, sorry, the, the other one. Uh, uh, has, has bought this, this patent uh, where you consider a separate capsule for passengers which can be loaded or unloaded uh, at uh, the time when the air aircraft is still in the air to optimize the turnaround time, to shorten the turnaround time. And that, of, of course, would have a dramatic impact on the structure of the airport terminal because you would need to facilitate this process of exchanging a cabin with 200, 300 people. And then a major development, which I think is, is very interesting, is um, logistic uh, companies like Amazon, who become, in a way, a, an independent uh, institution within the state. And they might develop a power that they create their own airports. And they might create their own um, baggage, baggage handling capabilities which we need, which can replace uh, traditional baggage handling in our, let's say, civil airports. Uh, so that, that's kind of the, 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 the frame in which our, our research is, is based, and we, uh, we see the airport as the accelerator of this development, and uh, we are aware that this is a very sophisticated operation, 
So whatever you do in this uh, process has consequences on the other side. So this kind of is a hard operation. But uh, that's exactly the point where, why, we, why we're doing this. And our proposition is to sink the way from the passenger from home to the aircraft. We might go even further to consider from home to destination, but uh, you know, we, we, uh, for, 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 the, for the sake of, of simplifying the, or clarifying the, 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 the process, we started from, from home. Uh, the whole process of ticketing and, and city check-in is already kind of in the process. And then we've got this part, baggage drop-off, which partly happens in the terminal, partly already outside. Then we have security, retail and non-aviation activities, and boarding. So this is the process we need to think about all the time. Uh, and technology is to, to help us to facilitate that. But ideally, and that's, that's our vision, you choose the most convenient way from home to the aircraft, uh, and we have to sync this in the, in the view of the passenger, or the, the end user. So what does it mean? The classic terminal model is, is separated in land side and air side. Land side is already being in the process of being dissolved because we've got all these online facilities for check-in uh, and so on. An air side, you know, we might be able to you know, optimize that process to reduce turnaround times and get passengers quicker onto the, onto the aircraft. And the final part is baggage handling. And in, in most terminals, it occupies like 40% of the, of the terminal area. It's a, it's a vast amount of space which we, which we need. And the terminal is an expensive building. So if we can decentralize or outsource baggage, then we will be able to free, to, to free terminal, the terminal core for commercial and entertainment facilities. So our research is geared to deconstruct the airport, increase the efficiency, free space for commercial activities, uh, hybrid conditions, and uh, bearing in mind the seamless connection of the aircraft to the city. Traditionally, that's the relationship of the airport and the city. You've got the city, the airport, and a corridor in between. What we think is that in the future, there will be new business concepts, hybrid networks around uh, particular urban centers which have independent relationships to the airport, which reduce the congestion of this massive transport corridor and create new uh, business relationship between different parts of the city to the airport. So that's our vision to investigate into new ways of connecting people from, from the city to the plane. This is a challenge and this is, this is where, we're, how we, where we're working at at the moment. Thank you. Henrik, very uh, thought-provoking. You called me there. You call me the baggage monopoly of the airport operator. Thank you. <laughs>
Yes. Uh, so final speaker tonight, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is... Uh, I've got this right, Mevin Abraham. Uh, it says here he's a PhD student. He's a future PhD student. Uh, he's actually an MSc student at Cranfield University. So uh, Mevin's going to talk about alternative ways of baggage travelling from home to the airport and to the final destination. A very good evening, everyone. Uh, on the outset, I'd like to thank Christine and uh, Andy, as well as my tutor, Henrik, for giving me this opportunity to present what uh, I've done in this thesis at MSE in Pranfield. So uh, mine is more or less, uh, you've seen a researcher's point of view, you've seen a, uh, a commercial point of view, but now I'm just uh, looking into an academic point of view where you can look at the different options on how you can transport the baggage. Uh, does the bag really need to go with the passengers? So uh, just to have a outline of what I'm presenting. I'll be introducing you the topic on how I got to the, uh, the, the firing question and uh, what literature studies have gone through on it, how the baggage processing and uh, facilities happen and what I'm looking at as a scenario and, uh, and analyzing it. And then I move on to what I found and what I propose. <clears throat> so uh, starting with the background, uh, what intrigued me most was uh, there's a lot of costly terminal space in a very costly real estate that's being occupied by the baggage facilities, especially in bigger airports, it's going to be a huge number. Also, uh, the processing times is an issue. Secondly, uh, mishandling costs to the airlines and to the airline industry is skyrocketing. And uh, the technology has helped us bring this down, but yet not yet ideal. Again, this, uh, if you look at a passenger-focused approach, it's quite inconvenient for the passenger in many ways, and I'm sure at the start of the conference, all of you agree to it. Uh, and again, we have quite a lot of security concerns and logistic functions that's happening, and we need to crack it down to you know, make them foolproof. So if you look at uh, uh, a passenger-focused uh, business, we have a lot of concerned and uh, related parties into it where they have different roles, but I'm looking at a focus on the passenger in my study. So my aim was to extend the actual travel, the air travel, beyond the skin, the building skin of the airport, and look at a home-to-destination travel process, and then uh, to develop and adapt technology into the entire process, rather than you know, just making use of what technology is available in the, in the current market. Also, uh, I took a look at how to improve the security and the processing efficiency with, again, passenger experience as focus. So uh, if you look at what uh, stats say, we have nearly a 7.4 billion bags to be transported or processed in terminals by 2028. And uh, this is a huge number. There's going to be a huge requirement in spaces. And uh, this can also be a difference when you look at the different markets. And uh, from the reports of CETA, we see that most passengers will have both a cabin and a handle. Uh, checked-in luggage. So this is a big issue that we need to solve. Now, what I was looking at is uh, a scenario analysis where end-to-end uh, -end travel from home to destination, uh, the different blue boxes are, say, you log on, uh, you hop onto a 
transit in between. So you hop on the, to the first transit at the departure end where this is generally closer to your house, and the second transit will be closer to the airport. And I've looked at the scenario where there's a transfer airport, a hub airport as well. And again, this happens in the reverse order where this uh, first transit is closer to the arrival airport and the second transit is closer to your destination. Now, in the conventional way, where the bag travels with the passenger on the same craft, on the same uh, airport, you see the green line going and the red line going all together. But what I'm trying to introduce is uh, if we can separate the bag into a more logistic function, like how Hendrik was saying, if uh, the entire bag can travel separately, not with the passenger. Why not we introduce something else specifically for the bag? Now, this is conceptually linked with the airport. It need not be in the vicinity of the airport. It can be split into one, two, or more than that, and they can be located within the city so that the city backdrop becomes more uh, efficient, and this can provide n number of ways of connecting the bag from the home to the destination. So uh, we really need to look at options like uh, courier, how courier works, how, how uh, they can be transported in different ways. So uh, just to take it, the different uh, assumptions that I've taken, I've just kept the type of luggage, the number of pieces per bag, that's 1.3 per passenger, uh, and the size and the weight of the bag, and same, and the distance between the points, uh, the passenger travels, or the passenger commutes, as D, and the travel class and markets, again, I've kept that same. Now, the main factors is the number of more changes the passenger goes through, where he has to actually lug his uh, entire bags, and the travel time that he has to go, and during the different uh, transition processes, how many self-service options are made available to him, so that he can make a choice to whether use it or not. So, uh, just summing up all these uh, different uh, scenarios from the previous slide where I had different options, I had nearly got uh, 24 feasible options, and uh, the 25th will be an option that I'll mention later. I've summarized that into a matrix where uh, only one quadrant of the matrix really works, where you st this is the starting point of the bag, separating from the passenger, and this is where the passenger ends and or reunites with the bag. So uh, what we really need to look into is the amount of confidence the passenger has in, in you know, parting with this bag. Like one, from the uh, one person from the audience said, I wouldn't part with my PC. So that is a level of confidence that if we are hiring or uh, giving the uh, transportation of the bag to a third party, how much confidence will they gain in you? How much, how much will that be uh, in practice? So that's one thing that we need to really look at. And there might be questions of why the bag building. Now, uh, when you look at a future scenario where you're trying to dissolve or deconstruct the airport, we, we still have to process the bags. So uh, that is something which has to be done with a lot of security. And it's a more logistic function when it comes to transfers. So we'll need that for sure. And, uh, uh, as expected, the best option was where if the bag is transported from the home to the destination for the passenger, he would be liking it the best. Uh, and we also see that off late, uh, the LCC's business models of splitting the entire components of the travel is working because the passenger gets more choice, more control over what he's paying for. And uh, as we see that they are ready to use the self-service options in all, all bits of the travel. And uh, even the airports and the airlines are both investing into it uh, these data were taken from CETA. Uh, and uh, again, the key issue might be uh, dealing with the security concerns. At, again, th at the pace which uh, technology is improving, I'm sure we can uh, overcome that. And again, the focus lies on the passenger's experience at the travel. 
Now, uh, we see that uh, there's a difference in interest of, from the different parties, other different stakeholders within the industry. So, uh, and there's always a push and pull between man and machine. How much do we automate? How much do we keep manual? Uh, when there's, in terms of contingency, what happens? What uh, can relying on machines completely be the ultimate solution? Or should we give uh, manual override to what all aspects? So these were things that uh, we need to look into. And also, uh, traveling light. How much can you afford to travel light? Uh, I'm sure at the end of the day, we would want some things that we cannot part with at all uh, throughout the t journey with us. And uh, what I was looking at is uh, there is an existing corridor option uh, which is in place, but uh, if we can develop this on a larger scale and build the confidence within the passenger to use it more often and more frequently, that that can be uh, a vital uh, start to transferring the bag from the home to the destination. And uh, also the potential of having the logistic building uh, even at the vicinity of the airport or within the city is, uh, is a potential that we can develop on. Also, if you look at another extreme option where a passenger does not part with the bag at all, he as in he keeps the bag with him all the time, say uh, he somehow gets onto the plane and just drops it, he has an opening somewhere in the uh, deck to drop it right underneath where he's sitting. You know, that is an extreme situation where he will have, uh, we'll have to go for a re redesign of the aircrafts, and this might have terrific impacts on the turnaround times, but uh, off late with a lot of the blended uh, wing aircraft bodies. This might be a possible option. This might, this might work out in future, we don't know, but it's good to think and put a start to it. And again, uh, if we can bring about something like a drive-through option where the passenger can drop his luggage in different points within the city on his way to the airport and develop an app and give it to the passenger, that he can choose when and where on the way or which is the best point, he can drop it and he can pick it up. So, uh, you know, and that point could be connected to the airport via courier service. That, can, that point can have uh, a lot of storage facility, which can help in you know, cap uh, capacity efficiency at the logistic function or the airport. Uh, also, and it can be connected through a tunnel or you know, like how the ITO works in Heathrow currently. So these were my uh, small research that I was doing for my MSc. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Great, some uh, really uh, interesting, exciting, inspirational ideas there. Um, so as Christine said, I've got to create a scenario here whereby uh, we have an argument, I think, is that there? Or a robust discussion. So um, you've heard quite a bit there. Just uh, let me open it up to the floor in terms of thoughts you might have. Yes, sir. Got a microphone there, I think. I think, yes, yes, okay. Um, just... No, that's okay. No, just, just before I open up to the floor, just to let everyone know, this is being recorded uh, and uh, will be made available over the internet, so please just watch your P's and Q's. <laughs> she told me that earlier. It wasn't going to be that much of an argument, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, um, I'm a retired manager of flight safety of Qantas, and I was quite curious about this lecture, and so I've got a couple of points here. Uh, First of all, the lecture should have been called Who Carries the Bag? The Airline Safety Department is the answer. Heavier bags have been a nightmare for some time. This is in-flight bags because uh, lockers are a safety issue. Weight in the lockers, problems if the aircraft has a, 
turbulence incidents, on and so forth. Airlines who charge for baggage in the baggage department, as we know, there's quite a lot of few of these, are really making the situation worse, and this needs dealing with. Uh, the idea of no bag at all, in other words, saying it off beforehand, is to a certain extent a pipe dream because people are always going to want to have carry-on baggage because it's handy, it's got their bits and pieces in it, so these issues will not go away. Security check has not really been addressed too much about trying to get bags from home to destination and all the rest of it. Uh, where does the security check come in? And, and the way to the bag, of course, which is another issue. So really, uh, I think there are a lot of questions unanswered and perhaps skipped over by this lecture. And I apologize for sounding a miserable old person, but I am. Okay, okay. did anybody want to respond on that? Uh, perhaps uh, Urban Turbine. Thank, thank you very much for uh, raising raising these um, these these issues, and they are very um, we, we are aware of them. And uh, we had a, well, I had a ten minute slot, so I didn't want to um, dilute into too many subjects of that because there are many other subjects. As I said, it's it's a hard operation which we're discussing. Um, I believe uh, the security. Um, the way how we think about security today is going to be changing. Uh, when I uh, grew up um, in East Germany, security was a different thing. We had a fence around our country and we couldn't leave. So we overcome this and we now travel freely. Um, and when I came to London in 1994, I still realized the last IRA bombs going off in London, so there was the uh, awareness of, uh, you know, uh, you couldn't have uh, uh, bins in, in underground stations and all, all that because of the security threat. Um, I think, I'm, I'm not a total believer in technology, but I think uh, in the upcoming decades, technology will play an, a role in in allowing us to rethink security concepts. And, and I, I think uh, we will live with security controls all the time. And in, in Germany in the 1990s, uh, people were very critical about CCTV observation. You know? And these days in London, if, uh, I think you're, you're filmed 300 times a day. Uh, so we already got used to the fact that we are Surveyed, and I think that will change our the way how we how we, we we will be treated as as individual, and that will have an impact on the way how we think security in in aviation. That, but that's, I think yeah. that's that's another debate where I think which is very very important. But we need to to you know have those people on on, on the table which working on new security concepts. But we will include that in our research. That's. I think, uh, Randall, you're, you're sort of closer to market, I guess, with this concept, yeah. and uh, therefore you've thought a lot about the safety and security considerations. you got anything to...? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the, the answer is, is not there yet in terms of if, if, if you were to achieve that ideal journey of, um, you know, the passenger being able to check in their bag somewhere away from the airport, 
right now, I guess probably why we didn't talk about it at great length this evening is because, you know, a lot of that is still unanswered and, and is work that needs to be done. Between all of those stakeholders that we identified, you know, it requires the collaboration between the regulator, the airline, the airport. Um, and I do think, I, I agree, I think technology, the way it's advancing, will give us options as to how we can deal with that. Um, you know, through integration with airlines, you know, perhaps third parties will be able to scan passport documents and boarding passes at remote locations and validate those against the data that an airline's got, for example. Um, you know, increasingly biometrics are becoming uh, an option um, to, to verify the identity of passengers, and they're very reliable means of, of, of vetting people. Uh, when it comes to the bag security, uh, yeah, I mean, that is something that when we started providing a transportation service for people's bags to and from the airports, you can imagine, when I had the idea, it was one of the first things I was asked about when I went into an airport. You know, they said, this is a nice concept, but quite frankly, the whole idea of unattended bags coming into an airport en masse um, is something that we're going to need some reassurances on. And we designed a whole solution um, that focuses on the sealing of the bag when we pick it up. So when the driver picks it up, We've got a way of actually sealing that bag, which guarantees the integrity of that bag. And that can be scanned at every step of the bag's journey and any handovers of that bag between driver and agent and x-ray screening person. Um, and we can demonstrate the audit trail of that. And so by combining all of these components, I think we could get to a place where we have something that people believe is secure and reliable. And one of the things that we do today um, is we x-ray the bags before they physically get to the airport. And that's what I was saying, that originally we had to do a lot of work to persuade industry that what we were doing was not unsafe. Uh, and now I think what, how we're perceived as a business is an incremental layer of security to the airports because we actually pick up bags in London, we seal them, we guarantee the integrity of them, um, and we x-ray them before they get to the airport. Um, and as I said, you know, in light of what's been happening in Europe, uh, where people have worked out that actually you can wreak a lot of havoc and destruction just in a landside area. No longer are they focused on getting airside. Um, and therefore, you know, solutions like the one that we provide can actually offer enhanced security. But there's a lot of work to be done, for sure, uh, to, to extend it beyond just a delivery service to, to look at checking in and clearing customs and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's very complex. Thank you for the question. Um, and I think possibly to add to that, I can see, you know, in partnership, we've got <coughs> the next generation of whole baggage screening uh, solutions coming into Heathrow Airport over the next two years, so the security uh, of that goes up. But uh, I think your point about, uh, it concerns me as well, around the propensity to put the cabin baggage in and, and what everything that means, which also impacts the ability to turn an aeroplane and all that goes with that. But this solution... I think that's potential to address that. This will kind of, if this works, this will push more bags back down to the hole potentially. And uh, I think with all these things, you try and find the win-win, don't you? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Another another point at the back, please. Yeah. Hello, my name is Peter Cullum. I'm a member of the Air Transport Group. Uh, fascinating. You know, you don't think about these things. But one thing that did occur to me was that once you've separated the bag from the passenger, you're effectively turning it into freight you're also effectively turning it into post. Now, the procedures for each are different. And my own experience of air freight is it is very different. But if you could create a similar procedure for all three, 
which are effectively freight separated from their ultimate owners, uh, then maybe that would offer some efficiencies in the future. Uh, the second thing is, um, the, uh, I think the point that was made by the previous speaker, I'm not sure passengers will ever travel without freight, especially if they've got children. So you, you, you have to, you know, they need something for little Jimmy, and if it's on a 15-hour flight, it's going to be two days' worth of kit and dummies and all the rest of it. So you're never going to quite get away with that. The second thing is that going back to the post analogy, stuff was delivered to me over the last few days by uh, a courier. He didn't get me to sign for it. He just gave it to me, and I took it. Turn the thing around. He would deliver a package to me, but for my wife who was going away, he would collect her bags. But what procedures is he going to operate? Because the way the courier market works at the moment, it is essentially parceled out to whoever's willing to do it for the price, and the price means that you've got two people you see once, you never see them again, their vans aren't marked, you don't have a clue who they are, because Amazon has vetted them, one presumes. And in particular, in terms of the courier market, when you go skiing, in Europe we have a ski industry, quite a large one, as in the States. But when you go to the airport, they know about skis and they can more or less deal with them. But does the courier know how to deal with skis? Uh, because if he doesn't, you can go, but your skis can't. And that's the whole reason for going in the first place. So it's, it's that kind of peculiar shape bag, because our baggage, our whole baggage is determined by weight, our hand baggage by weight and size. Mm. And until you get that made common, you've, you've got a real problem. But, there, but thank you very much for that fascinating, uh, fascinating thought. So just uh, we'll take some more points in a moment, but uh, I'm interested as our consumer panel. Um, so I think, Randall, you've talked about your concept is uh, pick up from home and deliver, and you pick get your bag back at the arrival carousel. That's mm. the sort of uh, first concept. So in terms of that offer in the marketplace... Who, who would, who would uh, be interested in that offer in this audience? Depends on the price. Ah, I'm coming <laughs> on to that. <laughs> so who would be interested in that offer rather than carrying the bag yourself? About half. Okay. So the, the, the product that we're talking about here, which uh, is uh, Randall will come to your house. Might not be you. Not, not me. No? Not me. And he'll uh, see so you go off on your holidays or whatever, and, and uh, Randall will pick your bags up and I think check you in, basically. Yeah. 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 In an ideal world. Yeah. And then uh, when you get to your destination, you'll still go to the carousel and you'll get your bag. So that's what Randall... Rand, and I'm interested in how many people would be interested in, in, in buying that, uh, that, that service. So you bought your airline ticket. So how many would be interested in buying that? So about two-thirds. So let me see. So how much would you pay for that in addition to your airline ticket? So who would pay £50 for that per bag? It depends on the time to save. No? So who would pay £40 for that? Okay, uh, so nobody at forty pounds. Anybody to pay thirty pounds for that? The thing is, well, that's nothing to pay for. I actually think there's a. I didn't see on your presentation something like whether you approach airlines or not. I heard you do something. Really yeah. Mm. Yeah. But for me, there's another approach there for you. I don't <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, the approach is totally different from you. 
because what you could actually save us is fuel. It costs a lot of money for that. Hmm. We're flying all over, the, all over the place. I'm quite interested how much you approach airlines. I'm from Norwegian, by the way. Okay. It's basically how much you approach airlines to try and sell this to them. Yeah. Because I can look at fuel and think, well, if you're going to transport a lot of bags that's not on our aircraft, apart from time-saving, we're going to save fuel on it. So you've got a bit of a selling point. Yeah. I, one I, more point afterwards. Yeah. I think the, the challenge with, which has also been identified over there, the, the, the challenge with currently trying to fly the bag separately to the passenger is all of the, the headaches that comes with that for the customer. Um, it's not a convenient or easy to use thing. That's why I developed and set up the business I did in the first place. Um, because you have to, if you're going to ship a bag somewhere, fill out lengthy forms, declarations, <coughs> sizing, contents, everything. And, you know, most of us these days are increasingly time poor and we can't do it. And then, you know, if you're just relying on a courier or one of the big logistics companies, this is not specialist to them. And therefore, you have to be prepared to sit at home all day and wait for the courier to turn up. And, you know, you're right. How, are they just a temporary worker? Are they, are they there for a couple of days? Or, you know, and, and it's for all these reasons, in its current form, getting a bag to destination doesn't work. It certainly doesn't work for me. It may work for some people here. But, um, and I think that's why we're, we're focusing our energy first on a model that keeps the passenger in the bag on the same plane but splits them at the key kind of pain points in the journey. So looking at the baggage reclaim, looking at the check-in function, um, and, and how those can kind of be exported or, or taken away from the airport infrastructure. Because that means that, A, you can travel to and from the airport in a completely different way without your bags, and you can jump on an express train and so on and so forth. But also it means you can avoid the lengthy queues that we're all so used to in the airport. Um, but, yeah, haven't found a solution yet for... Um, magicking the bags to another location, not on your aircraft. But I've been doing off, off airport checking for about six years. That's palms. Mm. Charter firms check out the hotel, bags checked in securely. Yeah. Passengers and seeing. Yeah. Actually yeah. So that's palms airport. Didn't have the capacity to deal with all the passengers. Yeah. Which works great. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people appreciate delivering home. Yeah. Uh, I've got no takers at £30 yet, so I'm going to come up on that. Make your final. This, this is why I referenced in my presentation, I think inevitably industry has to work together to find... I think there's a lot of benefits to everyone involved. Um, you know, if you look at that value chain and you look at if you solve that, well, the airline wins, the airport wins. Yeah. People are making cost savings, efficiencies, and public transport providers, uh, you know, they're getting more people on those trains, right? So they're earning more and you've got to try and this is mission impossible to get everyone together and look at how you can use that value that's been created either through savings or incremental revenue to move towards a subsidized model for the passenger and you've got to do that if you want this to become something that everybody adopts and to then fundamentally change the way that we currently travel so 
Sorry, why charging for bags to be checked in? Yeah, we might uh, get round into that uh, debate. But uh, let me let me just finish my uh, inquiry here because you want to know this. Uh, so Thirty pounds, nobody's having it. Twenty pounds. People pay twenty pounds. Got a few more. Ten pounds. Pay thirty. Thank you. Five pounds. Has, every, has everybody been there? Five pounds here. So, okay, that's really interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I think the interesting thing is that there's also that. So for our, for our current service, where we deliver the bags to and from the London airports, which is all kind of same-day convenient from hotels, your house, anything, time that suits you, we, we charge £15 for the first bag from central London and £10 for each additional bag. That's one way. That's one way. And then you get a, a discount if you book a return. Do you, do you reconcile with the passenger before he goes outside, or do you check it in? No. So um, currently we, we hand it back to the passenger. Um, so they get they, they effectively get repatriated with their bag at um, check-in, and they have to physically check their bag in themselves because of the challenges that we know exist in um, extending that beyond the airport. I mean, it's it's complex stuff, and I think we'll take some time to to move from current model. Okay, let's take some other other points. A lot of questions. Yes, sir. Yes, uh, Peter Forbes. Um, just on that cost issue, firstly, I mean, presumably, if you if you go round and have a joint thing with all the hotels, then you can collectively reduce the cost. Yeah. And you know, so um, it's just a question of getting a scheme that you know all hotels are, are, are go into and whatever, and is well known. Then presumably, you could you could set something up, either you or or, yeah. or Heathrow or the airlines yeah. or whatever. Absolutely, and I think that's that's exactly the, the road that we're now going down. And um, so, for example, later this month, we're kind of launching an in-hotel concept with Hilton um, to do exactly that uh, and kind of launching that at their flagship uh, hotel just up the road from here, mm. which is the Metropole, um, which in itself is kind of like an airport. It's got 1,100 rooms. Um, and so, yeah, those are the kind of locations you can focus on, get a lot of critical mass and volume, and then start to look to make that even more attractive because you're just doing point-to-point -point, um, for the passenger. Um, I, yeah, I did have an, another question, and I have to be honest, it's not specifically to do with bags, but it is to do with Henrik's uh, presentation, which okay. I thought was, was very interesting. Um, you talked about um, how you, uh, you talked about airports and entertainment which I think is quite interesting because it seems to me that um, there's a particular area where you might sort of consider entertainment would be for transfer passengers. That's typically transfer passengers. You know, the airport sort of, and maybe this is a bit generalistic, but generally 
yeah, as far as pa- transfer passengers are concerned, the airport's really interested in um, getting them into the duty-free shops um, or into the business lounges and whatever. But maybe you could set up some sort of entertainment for people, you know, so, so have some interesting kind of concepts. For example, I mean, I was trying to think what might be interesting for a passenger to, to do for three hours. You know, how could you fill that time for three hours? And seem to me, I mean, for example, you might have special cinema or you might, for example, have an opportunity to go on a flight simulator or, you know, it's just something interesting for people to do in a mm. short period of time, you know, whilst they're, they're transferring. And I'm just wondering if that's something that Heathrow have looked, thought about or, you know, just to try and make something a little bit interesting, fun... But yet doable because obviously yep. you've got limited space and facilities. But you know whether what you've thought about that. I thought a lot about it. You see, uh, certainly in the Middle East hubs now, they've got hotels in there. And uh, when I went there, they've got uh, saunas and swimming pools. Uh, so uh, there's certainly a lot of people doing things in that uh, space for the transfer. I think transfer passenger is quite an interesting uh, challenge for this debate. Because uh, you know a lot of airports are self-included, uh, and airline models are based around the transfer market and people not necessarily going from one airport to another, one city to another. So a lot of the baggage infrastructure is there to support people going through your airport rather than to and from. So it's an interesting dilemma, and these things are always great when you start with a clean sheet and you drop a new entertainment centre in with planes and all, but how you break in over time... And certainly the Middle East airports, they are, and Frankfurt, Schiphol, they're 70% plus people are transferring through those airports rather than coming to and from. So in terms of this, how do you carry, who carries the bag as a transferring passenger? That's a really interesting question in my mind from this discussion and uh, maybe one for another day. But so you've got a microphone. Let's, uh, let's hear from you, please. A flippant way. Maybe you could combine it with a late night tube and turn the check-in area of T5 into a you know, nightclub between midnight and 4 a.m. or something. Anyway, I have two proper questions. I hosted um, the midnight marathon there recently, so we had, uh, we had a band in there and everything. So maybe we'll do that in a day for the transfer passenger. Uh, two proper questions. One is um, you t- there was some discussion about downtown check-in, mm. and uh, my parents remember when Sainsbury's on Cromwell Road was West London Air Terminal or whatever it was. West London Air Terminal, yes. And, uh, and I remember when uh, you could drop your bags at Paddington Station yeah, for yeah. a short while. Uh, so I'm interested in why we've gone backwards in London on that and whether you have any points on that. And yeah. the second one was, uh, if we're reducing the amount of time we spend in the airport, so, you know, uh, you're picking up my bag and uh, I'm going straight through the airport, not waiting around, and similarly and on uh, departure, I'm going to be spending less money in the shops and surely Heathrow Airport Limited does not want me to spend less money in the shops. You know, it's a, it's a shopping terminal with, um, air, you know, with air, air, airplanes attached to it. Surely this, this whole idea of spending less time in the airport is not attractive to airport operators. Uh, I, mean, I, think, I think in the, in the well, airport operators and indeed uh, airlines, because the, the retail revenues offset the, the charges to use the airport. So uh, it's in... The current model is in everybody's interest in terms of who operates there and ultimately the consumer's interest. But I think, you know, what I, what I, what I hear from this is this is the world that we're in and uh, it's, it's how do you move to the world that you, what people and consumers want to be in. And uh, as you see with a lot of things in life, the model changes and the model's, model's different. So, uh, you know, that's an important part of the passenger experience at the moment. It's an important part of the commercial model. 
as you said there, in terms of it might well move to uh, you know entertainment experiences rather than shops in the future. Uh, I think that's a natural place of where, where things go. Um, so Can I just yeah, add something to that? Yeah. Well, I think, I, as you say, it's kind of how we work that together, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and to, to be honest, I think when we're, when we're sort of talking about um, reducing time spent at the airport, we're talking about in the landside area, which is the bit where we're not enjoying ourselves, and we're stood in a queue, not shopping because we're checking in, dropping a bag off, so on and so forth. So I think if you can remove that, to be honest, I don't see why people would spend less time in an airport. I think they would arrive and head straight to security and, you know, potentially turn up at the same time but just have more time to be relaxed in doing what they want to do. Um, but we're talking about, I think, in an ideal solution in the future, working towards taking away the, the wasted bit where, you know, we stand around and wish that we were on the other side. The current, the current model of, of the airport requires the terminal to become more and more focused on non-aviation income. Uh, and I think that eventually we'll reach a point of saturation uh, that it becomes more efficient to think about more efficient processes where then the whole way of thinking of generating the the, the kind of monies for operating in the terminal becomes a different scenario. So, you know, maybe you have a logistic terminal for baggage and a passenger terminal, and the passenger terminal then is much more efficient and cheaper, and then you, you can avoid the need to increase the, the, the revenue generation in, in this process. That's, I think, some, something where, where there will be a critical point at some point. Yeah. Sometimes where the terminal operation becomes so expensive because you, you add so many things to it in order to, to generate the revenues to, to, to run it. Yeah. So I think that that's, again, something where the industry needs to work together yep. to yeah. find the most efficient way of, of transporting people and transporting baggage. Yep. Yes, sir. I wonder whether this, although it sounds very good and there's a market for somebody having their bags picked up, it, one, adds more congestion to already congested urban roads. There is a white van collecting a bag, there's a black taxi or a car picking a passenger up, whereas up to now, one vehicle takes both. And personally, much as I love flying, I really do enjoy it. The hellish bit is getting me and family from home or wherever to the airport. I relax when I walk into Terminal 5, Terminal 2, somewhere. Oh, I'm there. I'm then somebody else's responsibility. Uh, and I think perhaps the airline aviation industry generally needs to put pressure on the ground transportation authorities to sort the pretty grim links, say, to Heathrow. It does deserve something better than the Piccadilly line, <laughs> or Heathrow Express that doesn't go to downtown London. It, that's where I think more effort, alongside, yes, making alternatives for bags, but please... Um, so that, yes, I can travel on a train, a tram or whatever from downtown somewhere with my bag safely by me if I want that, if I want them sent on ahead, so be it. One other final point. Can't we encourage people, as I do, travel very light and go and buy your bits when you get there. When I go to Sydney in a few weeks' time, I'm going to get my short sleeve shirts there. I'm not buying them here anymore. So <laughs> half the 
half my bag's going to be empty for good knickknacks to bring home. So, you know, there are many ways we could address giving passengers, airline passengers, all sorts of alternatives, one of which is this, but perhaps also sort out ground transportation links. Please put the pressure on government and others to get that done. And as we don't, we perhaps can't go back to West London Air Terminal. That was fantastic. 45 minutes from check-in to getting on a Trident something or other at Heathrow. But there we are. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's a very good point, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, It's really interesting on that uh, because I did the business case for for British Airways for check-in at Heathrow Express many years ago. And uh, in the end, consumers just didn't didn't want to use it, didn't uh, justify the cost of... Uh, because, you know, Heathrow Express is a 15-minute journey, and they thought for 15 minutes, in the end, I'll jump on the train and I'll, I'll go and enjoy when I come through the door and, and chuck it in there. So uh, I don't know whether that was the, the location in the town is not, is not good enough, but the market decided on that one. So fascinating in Hong Kong mm. and Zurich and these other places. It's a bit longer journey, I think. Um, so maybe, maybe people do do that. But never took off. Never really took off. Good. Oh, sir. Uh, Richard Lambert, former member and chair of the Air Transport Group in the days where Tony Lucky could always be relied on to find the right statistics from some obscure source. Uh, a few points. It's very interesting, this. I have to say, when I worked at Birmingham 20-odd years ago, I remember a, a company trying to do this, and it came down to special branch and one or two other people saying passenger reconciliation and all that sort of thing, which obviously you still got to I'm still not sure how you do it on arrivals. Have I got to wait at the carousel for my bag to come and then say to the man, take this to the hotel while I make independent travel? I mean, are you going to get people to go airside and collect bags on behalf of the passenger? No. There's some security issues there. American airports on the domestic side... I think they have quite a lot of people just walking in and nicking bags. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean our, our kind of airside areas here in the UK are different to the US, and um, to get even to a domestic carousel is, is uh, yeah. certainly more challenging. Obviously, you have to go through... Um, but your average security. courier driver isn't going to get past and, that. and that's why we're not your average courier. Um, our business is very focused on delivering bags for people securely to and from airports with airlines and it's we're, we're not in the business of delivering lots of parcels and then the occasional bag um, you know we have uh, all of our staff whether drivers or the agents who operate in the airports um, you know go through very rigorous kind of vetting they have airport issued um, passes to go airside and that that was part of our whole strategy when we came up with the business idea it was not just to be a a delivery company in operating independently because you, you're not going to be able to win the trust of industry and then ultimately the trust of the passenger if you do that, if you're just a, a courier. Um, and you would come under all of this kind of scrutiny from special branch or whoever you like. And, and you know, we have been, um, as I'm sure you can imagine, audited and, and, and looked at by all of these organizations and they've looked at the quality of our processes and you know, they are very reliable um, and, and secure, and that's how we're able to do it. So in answer to your question around um, going outside to pick up the bag on arrival, uh, you effectively, you, you, you pre-book the service, um, and that's done either via us or, or British Airways. Uh, and you, when you're pre-booking, you kind of enter your, your data. Uh, and again, through integration with the airline, we can retrieve your, your bag tag IDs, and our agent goes airside and scans 
those barcodes and we can identify which bags belong to you and have robust reconciliation processes, pick them up, clear them, and, um, and obviously deliver them to you. And the thing that's really interesting is we x-ray screen the bags not only on departure before they reach the airport infrastructure, adding a two-layer security, but we also do it on the, on the arrival journey. And that is not something that's currently done here in the UK other than when it's you know, looking at um, very kind of targeted routes. Um, we don't en masse screen every arriving, ba- every arriving bag into the UK. And so, you know, that's why I think the kind of organizations that you mentioned, whether it's policing, special branch, um, have seen that actually what we can do is, is offer additional security and an additional safety net, um, and that we're not, you know, adding um, unsafe processes to the airport. A couple of points okay. I've made to the other points from the other speakers. The idea of... Um, turning the, the terminal into an entertainment zone. Um, well, I mean, it's already done. My daughter was skin diving in Bali a few weeks ago. She came through Kuala Lumpur and had nine hours to kill. She, she was able to rent a hotel room on, a, on, a, on I think, on a half-day basis, airside, an airside hotel, and also, I think she went to the cinema or swimming or something before she, she carried the journey, so it's already there. In terms of making it an entertainment place, Tony's point about traffic generation, there's always an issue with the planning authorities that it shall not be for... Uh, the airport role should not be there for people who are not associated with the airport. If you create an attraction, a casino on the airport for the non-airport traveller, you're making a lot of unnecessary traffic, and I suspect your planning permissions might be a little dodgy as well. And on the other point about taking your bags to the plane, I seem to remember seeing a film in the, in the Russian steppes where uh, the Illusion 76, you walk out to it to the belly, cl- go up the stairs into the belly, hand your bag to a man who, who packs it, then you go up the stairs to the, to the up deck, upper deck. So it's being done in places. OK. Well, because of time, we're, at, uh, we're going to finish. Where's Christine? At 7.30. One, one last question. Martin, um, a passenger, a consumer. Thank you. Um, may I make a point from the older passenger um, that we are finding it increasingly difficult with our luggage. Um, we still travel, but I personally now think twice mm. before I travel because of managing with the baggage. I think it would be a great help to us and I think it certainly for older people or people who aren't very well, that it would be a very useful service um, and possibly encourage them to continue traveling when otherwise they would decide against it. So I personally am all for it, and I wish you every success. Very good. Okay. That's a good place to f- finish the uh, discussion. So just in uh, summing up, I think, hopefully you found that an interesting uh, topic to discuss. Uh, I'll ask the gentleman later whether he trusts uh, Randall with his PC compared to me. Uh, We won't do that in open session. Uh, Interesting how much people will pay for this, and I think from the discussion here, will this become an integral part of the product, and people won't have to pay for it because uh, there's a way of finding benefit. Yeah, I think there is a lot we haven't touched on here about, and it's a massive piece, I know, for us and for society about sustainability. So I think people will move into public transport more, and that's that's a definite... Uh, win-win. Uh, peace for the transferring passenger here and uh, what that might, uh, might be in the future. 
But I think in summary, I think uh, we always, there will be change. There will be change in the interests of the consumer. And we always get the best outcomes by working these things uh, together. Mm. So uh, that's what we should do. So thank you very much. Christine, do you want to make some closing remarks? for your uh, very informative and interesting both uh, speaks, uh, speeches and uh, information. Mevan, uh, I'd love some of that research, please, <laughs> if I could. Um, and also, uh, thank you to our audience for some very interesting questions and contribution as well to, uh, to the discussion. I hope you've all found it an interesting event. Um, we would welcome you back at future events. There's possibly some ideas those of us from the Air Transport Group may have picked out from the conversation. Um, so thank you very much. I hope you have a safe journey. Please join me in thanking our speakers again once more. From across the globe, from the centre of aerospace, and now to you. Thank you for downloading. Visit www.aerosociety.com to download more from this series and other multimedia content from the Royal Aeronautical Society. If you enjoyed this content, please consider showing your support for the Society. Share a link to this presentation by email or on your favourite social networks. If you have an interest in aerospace, consider the professional and personal benefits of membership. Visit www.aerosociety.com this content is provided subject to our website and digital media terms of use. Please visit www.aerosociety.com for more information.